everyone. Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about late season soybean insects. But even if you don't raise soybeans, we're going to talk about some insects that may be impacting your crop and some of the insecticides that could be sprayed in a number of different crops today. As always, if you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or if you'd like, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AGPHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also find us on Twitter, AgPHD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, when it comes to late-season soybean insects, I was just having a discussion with the people on our farm about this very topic today. And the question just came up, all right, we're going to spray our beans this week. So we need to do fungicide anyway. Going to throw in some plant growth hormones, a little foliar fertilizer. And the talk was, all right, how about insecticide? Well, we have some grasshoppers, maybe have a few soybean aphids, not a lot. But by the time you add it all up, all the harmful insects that are out there, it's enough that we can justify treatment. But which product should we use? Lars band's gone, so that was we weren't going to use that anyway, but that's obviously now off the table. And a lot of people have been asking, all right, what do we do without Lars band? I go, man, we got lots of great insecticides left. So I'm not that worried about it. But in our case, normally, if we had those insects that I just mentioned, so grasshoppers, let's say it's soybean aphids, maybe you got a few bean leaf beetles out there, few stink bugs, stuff like that. We can go spray a cheap pyrethroid, cost two or three dollars an acre, no big deal. If you do that, if anybody does that, use the full rate. Now I understand years ago why people would use reduced rates of insecticide when they cost ten dollars or twenty dollars an acre, but when they cost three at the most for the full rate, don't be cutting back. That's where we see most of the problems today. It's guys that are using cut rates and there's just no need. What are you gonna say? Fifty cents? So my point is, a cheap pyrethroid would probably be great, except for this. On our farm, I'm still worried about spider mites, and maybe I shouldn't be. We've had tremendous humidity levels for the last two weeks, but prior to two weeks ago, our corn was rolled up for two weeks straight. We were in the midst of a terrible drought again for the third summer in a row, and I just thought, oh my goodness, are we going to have a spider mite problem on top of everything else that's gone wrong? I'm still a little worried about that, not as much. Because what happens is when you have damp conditions, then a lot of times the spider mites will get a pathogen and they'll die, which is great for us and we can save the money, but I'm just worried that there, there are still going to be some mites out there. Bifenthrin, for us at least, will stop the mites. So yes, it costs an extra two or three bucks an acre. I just figure it's worth it. Let, let's do it. We don't have that many soybean acres. It's We've got a really good price for soybeans yet. I want to maximize our bushels. I know we've got some bug problems. Bifenthrin's a little bit better than the cheap pyrethroids on grasshoppers anyway. So that's what we're going to do on our farm. But we'll talk more about other insecticides, other insects, and get into all that throughout the show today. Right now, though, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right. Uh, first question comes from Micah. He said, uh, I'm working uh, with a family farm here in north central Iowa. We've got some Evito fungicide that's been sitting around for 10 years. Okay. No problem. Is it still good? Yes. Yes. Now, it's possible if it would have frozen that 
you may have some problems, but I feel really confident that that product is going to be good. That's the nice thing with most chemistry out there. You don't really have to worry about it. It can sit around a long time, and you should be fine. Okay, and I get this from Dave. He says oh, I'm a hey, oh. there, there is one thing, though. I would say if it's been sitting around for 10 years, it's very possible that it may have settled out a little bit. Just make sure you shake it well. And then you could also screen it or strain it. Strongly just, recommend that right. just to be safe. Just in case, let's say maybe some of the inert ingredients started to flake off or whatever. So, or turn into little black spots or something like that. So those are the couple of cautions I would give you, but otherwise should be fine. All right. Next question is from Dave. He said, I'm a journalist in Minnesota working on a book about how agriculture is changing the Great Plains and Upper Midwest, and I'm planning to come to the Ag PhD Field Day. Uh, I'm wondering, will you have machinery at the Field Day? Will there be demos? I'm hearing about new tractor and combine technology, self-driving tractors, and so forth. Yeah, we're going to have all that stuff. So there will be some product launches or releases there also from some of these equipment companies. It's a big list. We've been doing this for the last couple of years and every year it gets bigger because ours is really the first farm show that there is across the United States to speak of. And so a lot of people, since it's a big deal and people come from all over the country to our, our show, that a lot of the big companies say, hey, can we release our new product here at your field day? We say, you bet. So you're going to see some stuff that others have not seen before. You're going to see some things running in the field that others have not seen before. And you're going to see a bunch of autonomous equipment running in the field. So I'm really excited about it. should be a lot of fun. That, among all the other things we have going on that day, just some good reasons to be at the Ag PhD Field Day. Again, it's a free event that we host on the last Thursday every year just to say thanks to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio. Just go to agphd.com to learn more about our field day. All right. Thanks for that. We had a question come in from Geronimo. He said, I planted all in list beans this year, but there's a lot of corn and beans uh, that got sprayed with Extend or Dicamba products. So we got a lot of cupping out here. Just wondering, how long does it take for the beans to come out of it? Is there anything I should be spraying foliar to try to perk it back up? And then in the future, uh, what is an alternative to using Dicamba in corn? Um, it takes a little bit of time. It, preferably, we'd like to see and it rain. rain. That's, yes, yep. we'd like to see a rain. That's going to speed it up. But a lot of times we're going to figure two or three weeks where we're going to see it pretty bad on our farm. We have it every year, too. I, I was just driving past some on a plot that we did, and you could see exactly where the Extend varieties were because the Enlist were cupped up, and there was no Extend sprayed by us. We don't spray Extend at all or Dicamba at all on our farm. There are lots of alternatives in corn, everything from HPPD to there's Bucktril, Old Bucktril, there's Tough. There are a number of different herbicides out there, and certainly the, the pre-emerge herbicides should be used. That helps keep the weed population down, so then you aren't counting on your post-emerge stuff for as much. Thanks for the question, Geronimo. We appreciate that. We're going to talk about late-season soybean insects on today's show. Stay tuned. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Our main topic is late-season soybean insects, but right before the break, Geronimo had asked about enlist soybeans and the leaf cupping. Is there anything you can spray on them to make them better? So I will tell you on our farm, what we do is we go, we spray Megagrow every time we put Roundup out there. Megagrow's the only patented safener there is for Roundup. You don't see as much yellow flash and it's plant growth hormones. Okay. There are a lot of companies that sell plant growth hormones that are somewhat similar to this, but this is a good dose of plant growth hormones. Would I use Megagrow in a situation like that if I got cupped beans? Not the day after they're all cupped up. But soon after, yes, yes, I would. Now, there are other products, like I say, that are that have plant growth hormones. So we've used Inertia. We've used AC97. We've used Weather King. We've used a bunch of different ones. I, I'm just trying to say plant growth hormones is probably the way to go. And then beyond that, you just want to try to reduce the stress on these plants as much as you can. We just figure, hey, we started the year good. We have good drainage. We have great fertility. We try to keep the fields pretty weed-free. We're killing the bugs if they show up, and we're spraying fungicide in the hopes that we can prevent diseases from going in there. So we've done just about everything we can do. The last step, really, like I say, is throwing some plant growth hormones on after they get cupped. And unfortunately, Geronimo, every year our beans seem to get all cupped up. We're planting enlist beans, and I know some of the dicamba is coming out of corn. Let's hope not much of it is coming out of Extend Soybeans. Well, what a transition, Brian, because now i got Dan Kohler with the Calbaz Grow on to talk about what he is seeing out there in soybeans. Now, we're talking about bugs, Dan, but if you want to talk about anything else, that's fine, too. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, well, I can just give you my little update from the scouting I do in south-central Minnesota, um, which is my main territory, but a lot of our soybeans are in that R2 um, growth stage, and, of course, everyone's out scouting for aphids, and we're actually starting to find a few 
Um, but that's about it. You know, we're not finding a whole lot. Um, but talking to some crop consultants this morning, you know, we haven't had a lot of aphids in the last two, three years, especially at this time. So they're they're saying they're seeing a little bit more than typical at this time of year for la- compared to the last two, three years. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen any yet either. And uh, I agree with you. Anybody that I've talked to that has seen them, it's just been a few so far. But we know what they can do. But we got 90 degree weather coming up. How how comfortable do you feel that in your experience, man, these 90, 95, 100 degree days are going to keep those aphid, aphid populations from blowing up? Yeah, good question. In my experience, um, this this weather that we got coming at us, the 90 plus degree weather has been hard on um, the population. So I think it is going to, it is going to kind of keep them from exploding, you know, at least here in the near future with this, with this warm weather. You know, you said you're in R2 and I, I would say the same thing on our farm. We're in R2. We got full bloom. We're just waiting to see those pods coming on. Uh, what do you think of this year's soybean crop? Is it filling in pretty good? Are we going to shade out and keep weeds out for the rest of the season? Is white mold a big concern? What other things are you thinking about out there? Um, well, you're exactly right. This is soybeans have been tough going this year, um, but just here in the last, I'd say, few days, you know, we, they've really started to come around. I don't know if it was some timely rains or if they're just starting to get some good roots down. But as you drive around today, you can see more and more uh, soybean fields starting to canopy and really bush out. Um, you know, so I, that's promising because they have looked tough most of the growing season. Um, as far as white mold, you know, I guess this is not the type of weather that I would, you know, expect to have white mold, but that always could change, right? You know, as as we get into the, you know, next few growth stages, if we start to cool off and stay humid and wet, um, that could be perfect for white mold. There is right now this, this hotter, drier weather that we're experiencing, probably not um, white mold weather. Yeah, I wish it was a little cooler, and I wish we were getting a little bit more moisture right now. But like you say, there's a few things here with aphids, with white mold, some of the tougher problems in soybeans that this normally isn't the weather for that. So at least at least that's a good thing. And I totally agree with you, Dan. I think these beans were just slow coming on this year. But, man, they, they have really blossomed here the last week or two. Yep, yep, I'd agree. Um like I said, a lot, a lot of people have been worried about that canopy just as far as weed control, too. That's kind of the big thing. You know, if we can't get these beads of canopy, beans of canopy, you know, what's that going to mean for our weed control? But um, hopefully we had everything sprayed. We got that taken care of. And now if the beans can just canopy, um, I think we should be in good shape there. You bet. We're talking with Dan Kohler here with the Calbaz Grow in Minnesota. Dan, thank you so much. Great report today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Head over to Ohio. We got Drake Copeland down with us right now with FMC. Drake, how's how are the soybeans looking over there? Well, I would say over the weekend um, in southern Ohio, at least, got anywhere from an inch to three inches of rain in the area, and it was it was one of those slower uh, rains. So things are looking pretty pretty good. Um, it's kind of the tale of two crops, though. I think some people really needed it, and other areas. Um, it wasn't as welcoming, but things are looking better. Good, good. Okay, so you got some moisture, and I know this is one of the things a lot of times uh, people hear, oh, man, Drake's with FMC. He's probably going to talk about authority and what kind of season-long residual weed controller is. No, no, no. I don't even want to talk about that, Drake. I just want to talk about fungicides and what guys should be thinking about. You know, we get to this full bloom 
first pod stage. A lot of farmers interested in putting fungicides out there. There's some things that you would look for uh, and, and some keys that you would have to make those fungicides work their best. Yeah, I think this is very timely, too. Um, you look at some of the early soybeans that got planted, we're going to be uh, at R3 here in the next week to 10 days, probably. And one thing that I'm looking for is the, the yield potential, making sure that the fields that I normally put a fungicide on, particularly with soybeans, are ready um, in terms of growth stage. One other thing that, that we tend to, I guess, forget about this time of year is uh, – you know, I, I think the individual before me touched on, but make sure we're getting all our weed escapes out of the way because now we got a full canopy crop. Let's protect that foliage. And I guess R1 through R6 is very critical. We want August uh, timely rains in August. It's really a good time to be looking for insects, but that fungicide is a key piece, um, especially when we get into serious soybean production. Absolutely. And, you know, we got some insects starting to pop up out in the fields. Uh, I know for uh, some of the area, it's uh, it's dry. Others, it's wet. I know the guys with the dry area, they're like, man, I just can't afford to have any bugs attacking me. But with today's soybean price, I don't really want them in any of my soybean fields. So what do you do for insecticide? We've got some tough ones out there, even some pyrethroid-resistant aphids in Minnesota and, and other areas that we want to watch out. Are there some other things we should be thinking about in terms of insecticide? Yeah, I think uh, spider mites obviously has come up just given the drier conditions. And, you know, with, with Hero, we can go out at 10.3 ounces for that one or cut it back to 5 ounces and include a pint of dimethoate or something of that sort. Grasshoppers have been one that's popped up this year in terms of foliage feeders. Um, been kind of spotty where that's been an issue, but I don't know. If, you've probably seen grasshoppers infest soybeans. It's it's pretty impressive the amount of damage they can do if we're, if we're not controlling them. But like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of those really bad insect infestations aren't really going to hit until the next coming week. So one I think about particularly um, is stink bug. I know in the southern U.S., brown stink bug seems to overwinter a little bit better. They're having some issues with it already. Um, but those will be... Uh, something we need to be looking out for here is we're about to put our fungicide sprays on and all the way through R6. For sure. And as we're making those apps, like you mentioned, when we're, we're out there already thinking, hey, we're going to be putting fungicide on, or maybe you notice, hey, I got bugs out there and I'm going to be adding a fungicide in the tank and get the free ride through the application machine. Uh, man, we just have some great opportunities coming up here in soybeans for management in our fields. Talking with Drake Copeland here with FMC over in the state of Ohio. Drake, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on today. Yep, appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. I know on our farm, the, the aphid watch is definitely on, but we've been seeing some more bean leaf beetles out there. We're, we're getting a few more stink bugs and, and Japanese beetles all the time, which haven't historically been big challenges in, in our part of the country. But uh, certainly you want to be out there doing some scouting in your soybean fields. We're talking about that today and late season soybean insects, as, as well as taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. 
With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about late season soybean insects and things to be scouting for out in soybean fields. Uh, and I'm going to switch gears up just a little bit. Our next guest is Trevor Israel with Valen. Trevor, first of all, thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you, Darren. All right, I want to switch gears on you. I know we said late season soybean insects is the topic, but I want to talk about mites just a little bit too because we've already had a number of calls from around the country about, hey, we've got some spider mites out there and, and other different mites that are in the field. Uh, it, it's a little different than spraying for insects, and sometimes uh, we mistakenly think, oh, man, it's an insect I've got going. Oh, mites are a little bit different. Can you talk to us about mite control and some things we should keep in mind? Right. Well, um, just some a little background on mite control. They are, um, typically um, will come in when it's uh, hot and dry. Uh, rainstorm can uh, typically uh, um, 
mitigate some of the, the, the infestation. So when it's hot and dry and some of those temperatures, certainly the, the forecast right now um, indicates uh, hot and dry conditions for us. But they can come in and, um, you know, they're very tiny, small, you know, um, that's, you know, size of a soybean aphid or even smaller. Um, so really have to uh, uh, pay close attention to them. Um, and, you know, there's different uh, mite populations, and uh, they're very uh, difficult to control, so you have to, uh, you know, certainly in corn and soybean, there are different scouting thresholds, but um, as, it, as it pay attention to uh, some of the different life cycles of the mites, um, some of our metasites, which uh, some benefits, especially uh, Zeal and our, our new formulation, Zeal Pro, are very um, specific to mites. They're actual metasites, so they're not going to target some of the beneficial predators, so um, you won't have to worry about flaring uh, some of these mite populations or flaring uh, any other uh, pests because the, the predators are gone when you're targeting, targeting these mites. But Zeal <clears throat> um, Pro is a new formulation, uh, and it has uh, uh, enhanced activity on some of the uh, adults there. So the miticides, uh, some target the nymphs, some target the adults, um, and some target the eggs. Uh, ideally, you want to balance between some uh, knockdown and uh, residual control uh, in soybeans, we've, we've lost the knockdown option with uh, with uh, chlorpyrifos being taken off the market. So, uh, you know, really thinking about some long-term uh, integrated pest management strategies, and that includes uh, some residual control with something like uh, Zeal Pro, uh, as well as Zeal uh, having a long-lasting effect on those eggs uh, and not allowing those to hatch. So, uh, really long uh, residual control. Sure. Yeah, it's one of the lessons we learned last year when we had mites come earlier than we'd ever seen them. Uh, having that control out of something like Zeopro is definitely a benefit. Okay, uh, so we got a lot of guys that want to use pyrethroids out there too, controlling bean leaf beetles and some of the other bugs we're seeing in soybeans. Uh, what are some of the recommendations to make those products work? Um, so uh, some recommendations for some of those products with the um um, the any pyrethroids, um, you know, especially something like Asana coming out there, you want to make sure you have a, uh, 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 a, a good tank mix um, volume, which would be about uh, 20 gallons per acre. You can get uh, 15 gallons per acre, but uh, uh, flat fan nozzles as well as uh, trying to target uh, applications either early in the day or later in the day for, uh, for a couple reasons, one being... Um, you want to uh, target that before the heat, the, the brightness of the day and the UV can uh, break down uh, these pyrethroid insecticides. Asana does have a, a nice cottonseed oil formulation that uh, kind of slows down that the breakdown of the active ingredient in there uh, when it's out there on, on the plants. But getting out early, uh, and that also, uh, you know, tends to not overlap with the time the bees are foraging, which is typically the middle of the day, so you're not going to be... Um, targeting some of those beneficial insects or pollinators as well. So it's kind of double-fold uh, things to keep in mind when applying uh, something like a sauna. Yeah, a lot of things to be thinking about and scouting for out in fields. We talked a little bit about mites, but, of course, uh, there's a lot of insects out there we're watching for as well. Uh, happy to have Trevor Israel from Valent on the show today. Trevor, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the time, Darren. You bet. Uh, let's head a little further south. We've got Rob Dedman down in Arkansas with the Extreme Ag Group and is also uh, a consultant there. Gets out in a lot of fields this time of year. So, Rob, what are you seeing in the soybean fields right now? Man, I'm seeing a lot of stink bugs right now. They're starting to blow up on us on some of these later 
you know, soybeans, these are, I say, later, more mature soybeans that we've got. They, uh, you know, we've got a lot of beans right now that are R6 and, and starting to be R6. So the green stink bugs, the brown stink bugs are starting to show up. And as hot and dry as it's been, we're starting to see some uh, onset of some uh, red band stink bugs. All right, so talk to us a little bit about that, because stink bugs are, are a tough one to get under control. We get a lot of questions around those guys talking about making multiple applications. Are there some chemistries that you're finding work better on them? And then I'm assuming on the timing side, earlier is better as well? Well, you know, we, we've talked about on, on previous shows about thresholds and things like that. And and, and, so, and I'm one of those guys that I, I tend to want to pay attention to some of the thresholds a little bit. Now, do I think they're the gospel? No, I don't. But uh, I do like to, to watch them, and, and, and I tend to go a little earlier than, than, than later on them. And, and then, you know, definitely I'm watching these tank mixes. Uh, my favorite tank mix is going to be a, a tank mix of uh, acephate and, and bifenthrin. It seems to be, you know, it does the best job getting the numbers down as low as possible for me. All right. One thing that I think about, too, with this, when you talk about all the different bugs that could be out there, what are you looking for in terms of coverage, Rob? Are you trying to get down deep into the canopy or are you just trying to cover across the top of the beans? I'm assuming at R6, you got some pretty big beans out there. Uh, what are some of the, the recommendations that you have that way? Well, we all, you know, we, we think better coverage is, is the answer. You know, we definitely want to get as good a coverage as we can. And and, and in the Mid-South down here with these beans right now that are R6, you know, most of those beans are, are just right under your armpit high. And and so getting all the way down in the canopy with an airplane, which we have to use to, to put out these insecticides with, is, is really tough, you know. So we're, we're typically putting out five to seven gallons of uh, water per acre with them. And, and so we're doing our best to get it as deep as we can and, we're not always getting as deep as we can, and, and, and that four, we don't completely zero out every time, but it, it's that's, that's our ultimate goal. We talked to a lot of folks who are putting on fungicide all the way up into the R5 range. How about R6? Are we done with fungicide, and at this point, we're just worried about the bugs? Well, you know, have they put it, you know, my question to that is, is number one, do we have a reason to be putting it on at R6? You know, is it a preventive at R6 or is it a curative at R6? I think a curative at R6 is, a, is, is sure, you know, do we need to, you know, we got something out there that warrants a fungicide and disease or something that's going to cause us yield loss, then, then most definitely R6. As a preventative, I don't really recommend a preventative at R6. All right. Um I'm trying to think other things at this time at R6 that you'd be watching for out in fields. I'm assuming at this point you got enough canopy that you're done looking at weed escapes. Is is there anything else going on out there? You know, the weeds aren't aren't, aren't a, typically an issue there at R6, but uh, not only are we watching the stink bugs, but we're starting to watch the, the soybean loopers, you know. We're canopied up heavy enough that the corn earworms aren't an issue with us no more, but the soybean loopers... If they get into the plant or into the crop and they start defoliating the crop too soon, you know, typically around that R7 growth stage, I'll, I'll, I'll let the soybean loopers eat, you know, because we're getting ready to desiccate them anyway. But but prior to uh, prior to that, then yeah, we're having to watch those soybean loopers also. 
Yeah, always something to fight down in Arkansas. It's not an easy place to farm, but our friend Rob Dedman does a great job down there. Rob, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and look forward to seeing you soon. Sure. Sounds great. Talking about late season soybean insects. Now, Rob's already at R6, so we got a little ways to go forward there. We're at R2 right now, but uh, when we think about these growth stages, it is important to kind of understand it. Rob made some great points there about, hey, if you're thinking about a fungicide, at what point do you, do you say, okay, it's getting too late in the season? Well, with insects, oh boy, you really got to watch late into the season with stink bugs like Rob was talking about piercing into those soybean pods and with other bugs that could clip off pods, that can be a real challenge. So we'll talk about soybean insects and we'll dive into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now, you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stalk roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stalk breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. 
Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren, live in the Morton studio, just talking late season soybean insects. Here's the number one thing I want to leave you with before we get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. Economics should always drive your decisions. So when we start talking about, let's call it $13 soybeans, that's a lot different than when we had seven. When we start looking at 60 bushel yield potential, that's a lot different than if you only have 30. When we look at the price of insecticide at 2 or $3, well, that's a whole different than if you have to do like what Rob Deadman is in their area. When By the time you mix acephate together with bifenthrin, you know what? You're going to have more than $10 into that insecticide cost. So all we're saying here is look at all your economics and then decide, all right, how many harmful insects do I have? Am I meeting the economic threshold? There are a lot of threshold numbers that get thrown out with insects, but it all comes back to economics. What I mean by that is the threshold number has to be different when the economics are different. So, for example, if you look at soybean aphids, when they first came out with the 250 aphid threshold, we had $6 soybeans. We had about an $8 cost of insecticide. And then our yield potential was, I mean, for a lot of people, like around our area, we're talking 40. Well, now we're talking 60 bushel beans. Now we're looking at $13 beans instead of 6. And now we're looking at $3 and maybe $2 insecticide cost instead of 8. So when all the economics have improved, that means that the threshold can no longer be 250 if it's an economic threshold. So that's all I'm getting at here. I can just tell you this, based on our economics on our farm this year, I'm going to pull the trigger earlier than I would if, let's say, the economics are poor. That only makes financial sense. So just always keep that in mind. Economics should drive what you're doing. Now, certainly, we have to do the right thing for the environment and the right thing for the crop and everything else besides just economics. Don't don't, don't twist what I'm saying. But I, I do want you thinking about what are those economics? What do they look like? What's my chance that this thing is going to pay off when I do it? And then you go from there. Okay, let's jump back to the Egg PhD mailbag. All right, got this comment from B who says, uh, we still keep our rotary hoe around in case we get some crusting. Heard you guys talking about crusting, just in case the weather does something weird okay. and we okay. happen to get a crust. All right, let's talk about this crusting thing a little bit. The reason why we fear the rotary hoe sometimes is because we've seen crop ripped up when a rotary hoe was used. If let's say that there is a soybean plant that's stuck in that crust, then when you rotary hoe, it's possible to break that plant off. I, I'm not saying that happens all the time. I'm not saying your rotary hoe is a bad tool. It, I'm simply saying we have concerns so what we're always trying to think about is how do we minimize the risk of crusting? Well, one of the things that we'd encourage you to look at is how much calcium is in your soil. The more calcium you have, the less chance you will have for that crusting. Now, I'm not saying that eliminates it. It doesn't. Because one of the next factors you have to look at is soil organic matter. If you have a high level of soil organic matter, you have less chance for crusting. You can still get crusting, but you have less chance. And then the other thing is basically just trying to do everything we can to stay off the field when we shouldn't be on the field. And I realize sometimes we have to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. That's just the way it goes. So anyway, hopefully you don't have to use that rotary hole, but if you do, just be careful because we don't want to see any problems. 
All right. Thank you for the question. Get this one from Errol who says, wondering what do you need in order to pull a plant tissue analysis? Are there any tools, et cetera, that you nope. should have? I'm going to give it a shot. Nope. Just pull the leaves off by hand. The one thing you do need for a tool, though, is your brain. You can't just take any random old leaf on the plant. So take a look at any any testing lab is going to give you the guidelines. Otherwise, I think we've got that on our website as well from Midwest Labs. So make sure you take the right leaf and make sure you tell the lab the right stage that that plant is at because then they're going to look at, all right, what levels do we normally have at that stage in terms of nutrients in the plant? And you may need to wash off the leaves with some distilled water. Oh, yeah, that, that might be a nice thing, too, especially if you've made any foliar nutrition applications or if you've got a lot of dirt or dust and those types it's of things. It's the dirt and dust. Leaves. I'm not worried about the foliar nutrition. I mean, really, our guy's going to put foliar fertilizer on and pull a sample the next day. Unlikely. Could happen. But, yeah, you definitely want to give it a few days after you sprayed a foliar fertilizer on. Otherwise, if there's dirt, just wash it off. But make sure it's distilled water, like Darren said. All right, got this question from George in Bulgaria. He said, guys, uh, I'm curious about corn rootworms. Is it enough to use force insecticide without putting a seed treatment for insecticide on the seed? Uh, and I'm going to apply the force with the planter. For here's, a, here's my bugs. I've got northern and western corn rootworms, black cutworm, wireworm, and seed corn maggot. And then if you like the force idea, do you like T-band or do you like in-furrow? My rotation is corn, then winter wheat, then corn. Okay, so is force a good product? Yes. Is it going to be perfect? No, but it's really good. In terms of the rootworm control, it's probably best having it in-furrow, but personally, I like T-band. And the reason why I do is because you mentioned cutworms. You're going to get better cutworm control when it's in a T-band because cutworms are going to feed right about the soil surface. Whereas when you think about the roots of the corn plant, they're obviously going to be below the soil surface. However, I, I would say the nodal roots are the ones we're most interested in protecting, and they at least come out within the top three-quarter inch of soil. So they're also fairly shallow. So anyway, personally, yeah, I like the T-band. I think that's going to be best, but if you need to go in furrow, you certainly can. Some of the more dangerous insecticides do get applied in furrow, so that way there's no chance for bird exposure or anything like that. But with force, I'm not too worried about it. It's pyrethroid. Literally, they have pyrethroid uh, sprays and... Uh, what do you call it when you dump it on their back um, yeah. on the back of an animal I, I mean it's it's labeled for all those things so is it really going to hurt a bunch of birds no all right got a question here from larry over in ohio and he said guys i'm in northwest ohio we had a severe outbreak of tar spot back in 2021 mm -hmm. it didn't really affect yield but it did cause one of the hybrids some standability issues which uh, led to yield reduction only because corn yeah. fell over. Yep. Now, we rotate most of our corn with soybeans, and I'm having a difficult time with applying fungicide this year because there's no evidence of tar spot on our corn yet. We're entering tassel <laughs> this week. We have one 200-acre field, though, that is corn on corn, and we will spray that one for sure. I'm just wondering, do you feel there are enough proven results to use fungicide and just go ahead and apply to all of our acres, or do we wait for a problem to show up and then apply? Now, Larry, uh, just I'm going to add one thing. We had a caller on today's show that said he's in Ohio, 
And in his opinion, most of Ohio got between one and three inches of rain here over the weekend. So that might influence this decision a little bit too and True. increase your chances of having disease. True. The problem with scouting and then spraying is you will have already lost a bunch of yield. By the time you can see the disease on the crop, it's already probably too late. It's definitely too late to maximize yield. So fungicide requires a leap of faith. Now, should you invest that money? I mean, that's it's obviously your call. I will tell you on our farm, it hasn't typically paid to spray at tassel, yet we did it this year because I looked at the crop price, I looked at the humidity levels that we just started getting, and I also looked at the fact that tar spot could possibly move into my area this year. It's gotten close. So I didn't want to take the chance when I have that many dollars at stake protecting that crop. In your case... When we, you know that tar spot has been there before, I would be very concerned about that. I wouldn't just be thinking, oh, it's a continuous corn problem. It could be in any of your cornfields, and tar spot's the worst disease we know of. It's worse than gray leaf spot. It's worse than northern corn leaf blight, probably even worse than southern rust, in our experience so far with what we've learned around the country. So I, it would be hard for me if I was in your situation, if I had a good-looking crop coming, to not spray but I'm not saying that it's for sure going to pay off. So what we usually will suggest to people like you is when we say, all right, the odds are probably in your favor of spraying, at least leave some check strips. So then hopefully in the future, you have more information right on your own farm to say, yeah, this is a good decision, or maybe it wasn't. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we'll be right back after this. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. 
corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio and right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com and Emailing works great. We got this email from Mark in southwest Kansas. So he emailed a picture of a cornfield burning up from drought, which that's not great. But sending a picture, it's it's uh, really worth a thousand words. So we, we can really see what's going on there. So Mark says, all right, I'm in southwest Kansas. I got a field of dry land corn. I'm considering chopping for silage or haying. My neighbor says he's interested in purchasing the silage. But I have no idea how to price it, as we've never chopped corn for silage before. I'm wondering, when you guys sell corn silage, who pays for the chopping? How do you come up with a price? Is there a fair way to do it in drought-stressed corn? Because a third of the field has okay ears on the plant. The other two-thirds has no ear, and leaves are firing. Uh, (laughs) The corn's in the early blister Mm. stage where there is an ear. And uh, I also had... uh, uh, somebody offered me, uh, if I wanted to round bale it up, they offered me a price per ton to round bale it up. So just kind of curious, what would you do if you had dry land corn burning up like that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, clearly it's not going to make corn. Well, okay. Is it not going to make corn or not? All right. So we had corn rolled up on our farm for two weeks straight. We lost the sand and for we're fortunate because that sand is like one or two percent of our farm so we're going to have a little bit of zero on our farm but the rest of it's going to be pretty good it was able to hold on until we got some rain so i i don't know just from this picture i it I appreciate the picture, and I see that the corn's rolled up. It's just hard for me to tell without being in the field what I think there would be for any potential or anything else. So to say it wouldn't make any corn, I, I, I'm not going to say that. But you asked the question about how do you price silage. There are a couple of ways that we've done it. One is you take the tons times either eight or eight and a half. So... It might be, and this depends on the on basically who's doing the chopping, or it could depend on that. So, like for our operation, we don't have a chopper anymore. It used to, but we've got a big dairy next to us, and they just have it cut, and so we don't have to mess around with it at all. And yeah, the figure is either tons times eight or eight and a half, and that gets you over to bushels, and then you take 
whatever the normal price is for bushels. Then the other way that we've done it is we have left check strips in the field, and that's what we'll be doing this fall, to see what the yield is and getting paid based on yield. So either tons or yield, there are two different ways to do that. The other thing that I want to caution you on is high nitrate levels. So usually when there is a drought stress plant, that means that there is excess nitrate in the lower part of the stock. So you could do some testing on that even before it gets chopped. And what a lot of people will do is they'll just cut it extra high. So that will mean you won't get as much money because there won't be as many tons. But then hopefully it's at least going to be safe for the livestock. Now, it could also be all cut, even if there are nitrate, a lot, if there isn't a lot of nitrate there, and then be blended off with something that's good. But that's, you, you got to figure all that stuff out. I'm just throwing that out as a caution, a concern, something you need to check for the livestock people. All right. Thanks for the question. And man, I hope you guys catch some rain. That looks pretty tough. I get this one from Andy up in Ontario, Canada, and he said, guys, uh, got some questions about micronutrients, and I'm wondering, have you ever considered having a workshop just solely on micros? Now, I've taken the Neil Kinsey course a couple of times, but I still struggle with micros, liquid versus dry, chelated versus non-chelated, and on and on. I'm wondering, how do you calculate how much active product is in liquid form and I've just always thought that anything in a bag should be cheaper than what's in a jug. Well, the way you would calculate it is you have to look at what's the weight of that product on a per gallon basis. And then you multiply. So that then gives you pounds. So, for example, let's say you have one gallon and that gallon weighs 11 pounds. Just throwing this out as an example. And let's say that something is a 10% product. So on a per acre basis, if you were applying one gallon per acre, you'd be applying 11 pounds of the material. If it's 10% active, that would be 1.1 pounds of the active. So that, that, that would be how you calculate that. As for doing a workshop with just solely on micronutrients, we've never done that. We aren't really necessarily planning on that, but I would say this, we are going to do a at least the plan is right now, we're going to do a two-day soils clinic in, I believe, January. It's either January or February this coming winter at the Morton Center right here at the Ag PhD Field Day site. And we are pretty conveniently located. Sioux Falls has a really nice yet small airport. It's fairly inexpensive to fly in there. And that's only, it's less than 15 minutes from the Ag PhD Field Day site. So you can fly in, you can drive in. We're right by both Interstate 90 and Interstate 29. So it's pretty easy to get to here. Granted, it's the winter, so hopefully there's not a blizzard or anything. But we will be live streaming the event as well. So you can look look into that. But I, I would say we will talk extensively about micronutrients liquid versus dry, how you calculate some of these things, what you should use, when you should apply micronutrients. So we will spend a lot of time on it. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Jay. He said, uh, really appreciated your explanation about why do farmers rotate crops? I finally understand crop rotation in clear, articulate English. Uh, hey, thanks, JK. Really appreciate that. Got this one from IH who says, 
You guys talked about leafy spurge that Tordon can kill it once and for all. I think that's a joke. Nothing kills that stuff once it's established. Uh, I think you just spray it with a quart per acre every year and keep after it, and hopefully your neighbors also do the same thing. (laughs) Well, we're not saying that the neighbor can't have something blowing in, but we've actually had pretty good luck spraying a quart of Tordon and killing the patches of leafy spurge. I do think spraying around the outside edge of the patch, Good though, point. an extra pass yes. around it, yes. maybe an extra 50 feet or something, yeah. that's big. Because I, I know what yes. you're talking about here, that sometimes, okay, it, it shoots another runner out below ground that you didn't see and you didn't have enough rate to get out there and kill that, too. So you're, you're right. It's hard. It's hard to get it done in it one is. shot. And I do agree with you. Persistence is worth it. You can actually wipe it out. All right, get this one from Dennis. He said, guys, you talk a lot about pre-emerge sprays for corn, soybeans, and other crops. I was just curious, uh, are there any options for grasses like timothy and orchard grass? And also, what do you do for alfalfa? Well, alfalfa, I can tell you, Eptam's the product to use. So four and a half pints per acre, I believe, is the full rate. Yep, and it does require tillage. And, that's yep. that's the downside yes. with Eptam. It's got a high uh, vapor pressure. So but, if you don't work it in, you aren't going to get the full impact. Yep, so we seeded about 500 acres of alfalfa on our farm this year. It all had Eptam. And there's one of our fields that's right next to somebody else's alfalfa field where they obviously didn't put a pre on. And oh, my God goodness you can't even i i couldn't i didn't even honestly know that it was an alfalfa field at first so i'm just saying eptam's a fantastic product that's what you use in alfalfa timothy and orchard grass i you know i don't even know if there's anything labeled for those we don't typically deal with timothy and orchard grass over here i my expectation is you're probably not going to find a whole lot of options there but i i'd have to do a little research on that so Sometimes with these where we we aren't dealing with it every day, Darren gives me a little heads up and during the commercial break in advance and says, I hey. Think, I don't ask, think there's any options, though. So. <laughs> take a look at this. So I got to go back at my and, and take a look at my notes because I don't remember off the top of my head. But let's do it for tomorrow's show, Darren. Bring that question up again on Timothy and Orchard Grass, and I'll, I'll have an answer by tomorrow. All right. Uh, also had a question come in. What day is your ag PhD field day? We get a number of questions about where do I find more information about the field day and all these types of things. Hey, guess what? It's all online and it's easy to find. Just go to agphd.com. Well, the information is online. The field day is not online. Correct. Uh, so you go to agphd.com. You can find out all the information about our live in-person field day that will be out in yes. a actual field. Uh, there, there's just so much going on at field days. We're excited. It's more than what I can field tell day, you. Field day, not here. days, one single day. Yeah, yep. it's coming up Thursday, July 28th. It starts at 7 a.m., runs till 4 p.m., and we would love to have you here. Everything is free. It's just our way of saying thanks for all your support for Ag PhD TV and Ag PhD Radio. Well, thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.